All right. Welcome, everybody. Take two to episode 141 of The Glow. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for being a part of this co-creative community. Uh, we had a, an interesting technical error just a few minutes ago where all of a sudden everything went into colors and it said, um, it said, uh, what did it say? You don't have strong enough signal, but my signal, I have a full signal. So this is take two. And uh, thanks for being here. It's, I'm in Pennsylvania. It's uh, just after noon, just after 12 p.m. here in the Eastern. My guest is Sean King today. More about him in a moment. My name is Brian Piergrossi, author of The Big Glow and The Wow and The Now, life coach, retreat facilitator, and uh, now podcaster, vlogger, blogger. These are terms that 30 years ago people would have no idea what I'm talking about and probably today some people still don't know what I'm talking about. But it's great to be here. We've had some great, great, um, uh, we have some great, great episodes the past few weeks and I've had some great feedback on them. If you haven't seen them yet, had John Stringer uh, last week with me, Dale Allen Hoffman the week before with me. And this week, hopefully, Sean King will be with me. He's having, we're having some issues getting his camera hooked up here. Um, when you're entering, if you could say where you're from, love hearing where you're from, hit the heart button, hit the wow face. This is a space for co-creation. This is a space that welcomes your participation, that invites your participation. Welcome Annie from North Dakota, Jane from the UK, Hassan Vertizula Razak. Welcome to you. Welcome everybody for being here. The title of the episode is The Renaissance Man. And uh, what I was sharing when we were when we were discussing this earlier in the first take was this emphasis on all the parts of ourselves, on embracing all the parts of ourselves. Mind, body, spirit, emotion, work, finances. Welcome from Dubai. Thanks for being here. Uh, community, family, spirituality, all these different components and how these components are interrelated and connected and making any one, one part stronger makes all the other parts stronger. Making any one part stronger makes all the other parts stronger. Welcome, Robin. And it creates this kind of exponential level of fulfillment when you're operating on all these different levels. And I was talking about how Sean was one of the co-founders or the co-founder with me of the Big Glow community over 10 years ago. And how we've kind of, the intention I would say was, was community, was coming together with community of people on this path together. And I feel like that's been, we've been creating that in different ways. You know, I've been creating that in different ways. He has it over the years. And this has been a really beautiful way because we connect here with people all over the world and people can tune in, you know, and, and, and there's a, there's a, experientially, there's something that can be felt in the connection between us, no matter what country we're tuning in from or where we are or, um, how we're feeling, how we're doing, we would create this level of presence together. 
this depth of presence, there's something experientially more powerful, you know, that arises that could ever arise if we were in a sense of individuality and separation. So I really value this space together. I really value this space together because we're able to, from co-creator participation, we're able to have different angles and different perspectives on things that just expand our collective horizons from this depth of presence together. Depth of presence means being here and now, being in this moment together. So thank you all for being here together, right here and right now. We were talking about, um, I was talking about authentic relating. I was talking about authentic relating and how that's a passion that Sean and I have discussed in a lot of detail over the years and have learned a lot from each other in that process and how there's an exploration that we've gone into from relationship to relating. So relationship being a noun to relating being a verb. So relationship being a noun to relating being a verb. And the, the power that's inherent, the aliveness, the passion, the inspiration that's inherent when you change relationship to relating, when you change it from a noun to a verb. So relationship is a, is a static, dead thing. Nouns are something that are considered to be inanimate, right? So it's something that we think of static. We think of a, of, of a fixed idea that we're trying to get someone to conform to or we're trying to get ourselves to conform to. Um, that there's a conditional sense of something present there that we're trying to um, make happen. Um, whereas relating is something that's alive, that is not fixed, that is not set, that is a sense that has a sense of uh, evolution, that has a sense of movement, that has a sense of life, that has a sense of something that transcends any fixed ideas. So there's an openness there that invites one to be more present, that invites one to be more here, that invites one to be more connected. Because regardless whatever is arising, regardless of whatever you're feeling, regardless of whatever the sensation is, whatever the movement is, you are relating. We're always relating. We're always in a sense of relating, right? So it allows you to open beyond your fixed ideas or your fixed notions of how you think something should be to, to an aliveness of what's present, of what's here and what's now. And that's not just in, um, that's not just in, in relationship, personal relationship, but that's in life. Like that's in the movement of life. So to be relating with life, you know, to be in a space of authentic relating in life. And that's really the essence of something. Just give me one moment. I want to check and see if I can find. Are we still here? Okay. So there's a sense of relating. Sean's trying to find us on the, uh, on our, 
he's trying to find us on Facebook Live. If anybody has Sean's, uh, anybody can assist him with the Facebook Live movement. Um, that would be great to get that happening. Annie, if you could, if I don't know if you have his info, probably not, but if you could find him and try to get help him to get on, there he is. I think we got him. I think he's coming on any moment here. So I kick, you just have to accept my invitation, Sean. And we'll be live here together. There you are. Hey, hello. How are you? It wasn't easy, but here we are. We made it happen. We finally made it, yes. Ah, yes. hello, everyone. Pardon me while I wiggle my phone into the directory. Yeah, likewise. I was, I was told that, uh, that I needed to actually be landscape, not portrait. But apparently that's wrong. It's the opposite. <laughs> right. So I think it has to match you or something like that. Okay. I don't know. The mysteries of Facebook. Yes. Well, I guess we matched. <laughs> Nothing to make it happen. Yes, finally. Great, great shirt. <laughs> uh, thank you. I thought I'd be colorful for the broadcast here. So, so I was just going into uh, authentic relating and uh, direct relating and relating in, in general, the sense of... Um, the shift from relationship as a noun to relating as a verb. And that's something that you and I have uh, talked about and both appreciate and love to hear your, your, your take or your feeling on how that's kind of shifted the way you look at things, changing relationship from relationship as a noun to relating as a verb. Um, a lot of, a lot of what happens is sort of my attention shifts from a box full of objects, a box full of ideas about, um, who someone is for me or to me um, and shifts into more of a kind of an open field of attention that's ongoing with how a person's showing up um, without a particular set of expectations in my own mind as to how they're supposed to behave towards me. And uh, that really allows for um, much more freedom on the part on my part and also on the part of the person I'm relating to. Beautiful. Yeah. I, I think that there's like, um, it allows for a deeper sense of intimacy too, right? Because you're, you're able to actually like really see what's here, really hear what's happening as opposed to trying to conform someone into this box of what the relationship is supposed to be. Correct. You're actually able to listen to them without having an agenda behind the listening. Often, um, it's a person can fall into the trap of listening to someone to find certain bits of information or whatever that help support the model or the box that they have for that person, rather than listening to get to understanding them as they are from their perspective. Clearly. Um, so it's like there's it's it's possible to listen to someone as if you're gathering evidence for your own ideas about them um, <laughs> or or gathering evidence for your own ideas about yourself, which is the other aspect. So you have to dismantle both. You have to dismantle your own ideas about yourself as well as your ideas about someone else to get those out of the way so that you can relate to someone. That's deep. Dismantling your own ideas about yourself. That's that feels really true. And um profound because everything is ultimately a self-reference right mm -hmm. yeah. yes 
And the thing that's interesting too is my my mind first goes authentic relating as in terms of like husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend or or two lovers or people that are in a romantic relationship. But also there there's some there's some really big areas. Welcome, Melissa. There's some really big areas um where this is really predominant that I see too is like for example, um uh, with your parents, with your mother, with your father, or the father and the mother with their children. Um, these could be really deeply ingrained, the sense of, you know, you're supposed to be like this, and you're not being like this, right? As opposed to the sense of authentic or this uh, direct relating or the sense of relating as a verb, as something that's alive. Um, so, yeah, isn't, do you, isn't that's like kind of a fascinating thing of how it, it can be in any realm or even like this is my boss or this is my whatever. We, we put these people in these boxes and expect them to behave in a certain way because of the, the label that we've created on them. That's correct. Um, looks like plug in here. I'm going to have to go to a uh, handheld because my battery indicator is low. Um, either that yes, or the old thing. battery, the old battery thing. I'm going to see if I can just rotate all the way. <laughs> now you're upside down. Am I upside down for you? You're upside down. Oh, okay. All like right, trippy. Back around. All right. There we go. It's going to be kind of a handheld situation. Now. Let's see what I can do. Okay. Oh, that's pretty good. That's mm -hmm. pretty good. Um, so being verb, the way I like to put it is that, um, we are not even beings, we are becomings. Yes. We are opening processes as we move along. So um, to even think of a person as a being makes an object out of them. So then what becomes- Something static. Yes, yeah, something static. So then becomes what becomes very interesting is what is the nature of relating from a becoming to a becoming? Yeah. Right. And so what is happening in that? It becomes very dynamic. It becomes very present based, um, but present based, not in a flighty sense, um, more in a sense of a dance or a walk together where you're actually really on two different paths. They might be really close to each other and the paths might be ones that you wish to have close to each other. You're sharing intimate space and time with someone and you wish to continue doing that and they wish to continue doing that with you. And so you're kind of walking along together, but really your paths are slightly different and you're diverging a little bit and coming back together and diverging a little bit. And so there's sort of this long-term uh, potential for um, a walk together through life to develop with someone, which is um, part of how I understand my own marriage with Melissa is that it's sort of a walk together of discovery, each of us discovering for ourselves and discovering um, with each other, how relating unfolds for us between us and between us and other people. Um, and so this, it, it becomes much freer feeling, much lighter feeling, even though it can be more intense, there's less burden that's carried along because there, you don't have boxes of objects that you have to haul along with you <laughs> in order to function. And it does apply out to other types of relationships. I agree. Um, I've, I've had much better luck dealing with uh, coworkers of various sorts, whether it's my boss, quote unquote, or other people that I'm collaborating with. Um, if I understand them um, in terms of relating to their beingness, 
and relating from beingness to beingness or be, uh, becoming to becoming. I do much better than if I'm trying to think of roles and, hey, you're supposed to be doing that or you're supposed to be showing up for me this particular way or whatever. It's, it, um, mm-hmm. it's kind of a waste of time. You know, the, the expectations and shoulds are um, barriers. They're things to put in the way with relating to someone and um, become very powerful breaks on the process. Now, one of the things people will say is like, okay, but what if somebody, does that mean somebody can do whatever they want? And what if they do something I don't like? And all this, this sort of inquiry, right? So my sense is it doesn't mean anything at all. It, it, it means direct relating or authentic relating means um, if something's happening and you have a feeling of sadness or you have a feeling of anger or if you have a feeling of happiness or joy, then you communicate that in the moment. So there's no rules of like, it means people, you have to like what everybody does, or you have to just, everything they do is okay. It doesn't, it doesn't ultimately, I guess there's kind of two levels. Ultimately, everything someone does is okay because it's happening. But then you're, you're, the response that's, that arises in you is also completely valid and to be, to be accepted. Correct. I mean, whether, you know, how someone feels about your response to their feelings, et cetera, that's the exploration. And mm-hmm. then what stories are coming up? Um, yep. and what, you know, are you discovering that, am I discovering that I have a story about myself or someone else in the process of relating? Am I discovering that I'm uh, making an object out of a process? Am I discovering that I have an expectation that I have an assumption? What am I discovering in the process of relating to someone else? about myself and about the other person and about how I'm relating with them. And so there's this constant activity of discovering and it becomes more about the discovering than it, um, than it becomes about um, uh, trying to classify, trying to judge things as good or bad. Um, and uh, those types of judgments aren't, become a much less of interest than, oh, what's actually happening here? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, well, let me put it this way. Um, comfort's overrated. So trying to keep ourselves and each other comfortable um, tends to be poor strategy in life because comfort and aliveness tend to be somewhat opposed to each other. They're like on a sliding spectrum. So if you move too far towards comfort, you start to lose your aliveness. So you have to give up some comfort to get more towards aliveness. Um, although that aliveness becomes more comfortable, sort of. <laughs> but over time. So um, it's very worthwhile. Um, but we're, we're emotional beings. We're, not, we're never going to be perfectly blissed out all the time and light. and ah, No, it's not going to happen. Um, uh, anger and fear and other things that arise, arise when they do. And that what, what is of value to me is to move into a space of where this is interesting. Let me discover about this. Let me understand completely what's happening here um, so that it won't happen over and over again the same way. It might happen differently some other time, but I don't get stuck. So. I think uh, there's a lot of different things, spark a lot of different things inside me, but um the comfort thing that that's huge. I think particularly in our culture, in our country, like sometimes I just sit back and I think like, what happened to America? <laughs> you know, I was like listening to this, 
this podcast I did this morning about kind of the, eight, the late 1800s and the kind of just the mentality of that time and the, the kind of frontier energy. And, um, and now it's like the priority it's in so many ways, I'm not saying a hundred percent, but so many ways is like comfort. People want to be comfortable. If they're not comfortable, it's very upsetting. Like they deserve it or they're, they're entitled to this sense of round the clock comfort. Um, and, and I think what you said is really profound if there's, first of all, it's, it's not possible to have this kind of round unless you're dead. And, and that's kind of what people are moving towards is being dead. <laughs> yeah. Right. So dead this increasing perfect. level of deadness. What's that? <laughs> I said dead and perfect are about the same thing, really. There's, there's like this, uh, this increasing level of, 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 yeah, as, as opposed to moving toward being more alive. Mm-hmm. And I guess what ties into that is the sense of the unknown, right? I think that's an important component here. Unknown in relating, unknown in life, unknown in, you know, moving throughout the day is the unknown for so many people has become uncomfortable. So there's a sense to want to know everything that's going to happen. I want to know everything you're going to do as my, as my partner, you know, as my, as my child. Um, I want to know everything that's going to happen today. I want to, but so we're, we're, we think that like through this accumulation of knowledge, we're going, we're going to destroy the unknown or we're going to get rid of the unknown. And what we're really doing is just making ourselves more dead. Exactly. Melissa quote um, to me, she might remember which one it is at one point, which was basically saying that freedom lies in the unknown. So there, there can't be freedom and a sense of freedom and an engagement with freedom unless you're also engaged with and open to the unknown, to mystery, basically. Um, and this idea that we, we gain quality in life by piling on the details of knowledge about what's going to happen next um, doesn't hold up in my experience at all. I think your your signal got a little weaker, Sean. I don't know if maybe maybe because the Wi-Fi is being shared or something, but it's, it's, it's a little bit get a little choppy. Okay. On, on your side, as far as hearing you. All right. But uh, I got can, some some segments there. Did can you hear me? What you're sharing. Mostly now. At the moment, yeah. Okay. I was just um, yeah. remarking on a quote that Melissa shared with me. Um, that is basically saying that freedom is located in the unknown. You can't, um, can't have a sense, uh, an experience of freedom unless you're willing to be open to the unknown. Yeah. And what I was saying about my own experience is that um, I've been finding over time that uh, piling on information about my own day or whatever does not improve the quality of my experience at all. The knowing of what is happening next doesn't. Planning has pretty limited utility, really. It has some utility, but not very much. Not what we assign to it, by any means. Yeah, I would agree with that on my uh, from my uh, experience as well. I would agree with that. And how does that relate to? Um, I know one of the things that you've explored is there's different terms for it, but let's call it voluntary simplicity. The sense of, um, you know, there's a sense of, uh, in our culture, for so many people, that more material thing, having more ownership of more possessions, more things is, 
the better, the bigger is better, more is better. And from my conversations with you, you, you have a, a little bit of a different take on that. So please share yeah. with us. Yeah, I think um, for myself, I'm looking to have a deeper direct experience of um, process through what I have as opposed to accumulating things. Um, it's like, um, use what you have and have what you can use, basically, which is actually really pretty minimal. Um, and it, it, in my own life, if I'm paying attention to how much effort and time that goes into maintaining or paying for um, putting away, taking out, cleaning up, whatever, many, many, many different kinds of objects, it, it actually occupies a lot of energy. So that's another way to look at it. It's like um, my own experiences, the quality of my life increases with my um, freedom to be effective with less, my freedom to have more time and energy and attention for experiences. Um, all of that can be blocked or, or have its quality eroded by having too many possessions and being too focused on possessions. So. Is it, you're, yeah, there's an interesting thing you're making, you bring up to my conscious, which is there's also the level of engagement in, in what we're, what the experience is. So if I'm not really present or fully engaged with something, then I'll keep looking for another thing and another thing and another thing. But maybe if I really was fully, completely engaged in what was in front of me, then I wouldn't be looking for something else. It's really fascinating, you know, how that, how that can work. That's right. If our appetites are attached to abstraction, things in our mind, as opposed to things that are right in front of us, of course, we're going to be pulling in and pulling in and pulling in objects into our lives. But in my own life, if my um, appetites are attached via my attention and engagement with what's right in front of me, whatever that, you know, if I'm really taking fully into an experience, you know, drinking from the spring that I'm at, when I'm at the spring, I drink. <laughs> whatever, when I'm sitting under a tree or I'm in a movie theater, I'm reading a book, I'm playing a musical instrument. If I'm fully there, there's no appetite for anything else. There's no abstract thought of an appetite for anything else. I'm complete in the moment of that um, engagement. And so I like to use the word engagement because it's, act, you know, it's, it's a description of action. Um, and, um, and that's what it's about. It's, it's, it's a little bit different than doing it's about how you're showing up yeah. inside a moment or an activity, yeah. a presence. Um, yeah. So um, I'm not recommending just get busier. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. Kind of the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. You just reminded me of a great story uh, with you, uh, which relates to the next thing I was going to get into. So I was staying at your house. Um, I would, I would stay at Sean's house. Like, uh, I would stay at your house, like, uh, seem like annually around like the early fall for whatever, however long it would be. Um, but this one year I was there and, um, you and Melissa were in your bedroom and I couldn't really hear any details, but I just heard a lot of, you know, kind of voices being raised and a lot of energy inside there. What would what people would would sound would people would categorize as fighting, right? 
So didn't want to disturb, but I don't remember. The, I don't remember why, but something was the reason why I had to come in. I had to interrupt to ask for something. So I knock on the door, and you open up, and you had this really gentle kind of look on your face and, and your tone. And you said, "I'm sorry, we're deeply engaged right now. If you just give us a few moments, we'll be we'll be right with you." <laughs> I thought that was like such a really beautiful way of describing that energy. You know, deeply engaged. We were just talking about that last night too. Of like, sometimes with you know people are raising their voices, or it doesn't mean that they're they don't like you. Or it's, often it's the opposite. There's just a passion that's there, and so where that where that leads me to is this depth of engagement. My feeling is like what I've realized is like actually no matter what the um, experience is, if you deeply engage it. Um, and we can't control what experience is going to arise next, right? But if you deeply engage it, there is a sense of what we could call freedom in that, a sense of like a transcendent quality that's possible. Is that your experience? Yeah. I think when I'm deeply engaged, um, I'm making my choices moment to moment, and I'm free to make my choices moment to moment. Um, mm -hmm. I'm free to be expressed moment to moment, however imperfectly. Um, mm -hmm. Etc. There is a there's it, it, it's not necessarily comfortable, especially when you're talking about a situation that's typically, um, you know, felt or understood as being conflicting. Um, mm -hmm. And but then again, that goes back to um, our um, sort of unfortunate unfortunate attachment to the idea of being comfortable all the time. Yeah. Uh, and so you're trading comfort for energy and aliveness, and that's part of that when you're fully mm -hmm. engaged. Um, yeah, there's nothing else quite like it. And, and it, it's also not about getting to a, to a particular end point. It's just moving forward. Through right. The, and then seeing where you wind up. Right. So that's another thing is that, um, because I think people, um, and myself in the past engage in a relating with an objective, an endpoint. It's like a job yeah. done. Uh-uh. A little bit different than that. Let's see where we are in a few minutes here as we engage with each other, honestly, mm -hmm. fully, right? Yep. And then what? Yeah, it's like if you really give yourself fully, fully engaged each step. There's sort of a guarantee that. It's interesting. It's almost like. Well, you know, not that I'm saying anything necessarily new. There's a lot of there's a lot of teachings or sayings about how the journey it's about the journey, not the destination, right? right. It really is true. It's like if you when you really become engaged, it's like the journey itself is fulfilling. It's kind of like when I did uh, this road trip uh, across the country from the east coast to the west coast. You know, I could have been like, well, the goal is to get to you know get to the Pacific Ocean, and everything sucks until I get there and let's, you know, haul ass and make it happen. Um, but really, the, the, the whole beauty of it was the journey. The, 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 end lot, the end point was great, too. But it's really recognizing that journey itself was the fulfilling thing, not just, you know, let me try to get to this end point as fast as I can. We're really missing life when we get lost in our head that way. Mm -hmm. We miss everything that's ha actually happening and trade everything that's actually happening for something that's abstract that might happen sometime later. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, I see Melissa. Melissa posted uh, destination is just another point along the journey. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really that's a really profound statement because yeah, wherever I think there's no end point. Like wherever you like, I've had these kind of goals, you know, and I, you you're working, you hit that goal, and it's like yeah, you know, this moment of kind of exaltation, and then it's like okay, well now what? You know, still alive, still here. You know, it's really just a resting, a resting point along an infinite journey that's unending. Absolutely. Road trips are really good analogy. Slow down and see what's happening, says Melissa. Thanks, mm-hmm. Melissa, for being here. Let's read some of these other comments. Robin says, my brother pointed out once that so often each person is not trying. So, so often each person is trying to say, hey, wait, I'm okay. Uh, wherever you are, be there, be here, yes. Robin says, it feels so much better to be okay with not knowing, especially to admit that I really don't know how a lot of things, how a lot of things, and to be okay with learning new things with everyone. Uh, In Orange, whoops. In Orange County, it felt like there was tons of doing, but not so much being, for myself included. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a really be- – whoa, sorry about that, folks. It's a really beautiful thing, the sense of um, – it's almost like, you know, the Zen quality of just really opening yourself to the moment. But to open yourself to the moment, you have to let go of your ideas or at least be aware of your ideas of how you think it's supposed to be, of how you think it's not supposed to be. And I find, like, that's the key in, in relating. That's the key in just – there's also – with the way I, a term I use sometimes is relationship with the moment or relating with the moment. Right. So it's like, um, this is what's happening and you can, you can think that it shouldn't be happening or you can wish that it shouldn't be happening or this is wrong, but it, it's really, you're just wasting energy because this is what's happening, you know? So I find that like a like that realization really really opens us up to um, a deeper level of intimacy with with uh, in relationship with another, a deeper intimacy with life, right? And one of the things that you've you've kind of uh, what's the word uh, in a profound way have described to me is how you you find working with um, earthen building as a way of of exploration into intimacy, right? Absolutely. It's a process of intimacy with self. I both um, teach and guide people into learning techniques and about materials, but really in a natural building um, workshop context, we offer workshops and and teach workshops. but underneath there, there's an underlying um, agenda, if you would, or idea that we're going to bring people into intimacy with Earth, with their own process of sheltering, with how they use space in their life, etc. So there's a, um, the type of building I like to do with Cobb is very You literally get barefoot and dance around in wet, squishy mud, and that's how you mix your building material. You put it up with your hands, you're, you're creating sculpture that you're going to inhabit. Um, it's entirely your fingerprints and your footprints in it, uh, and, uh, bits of sweat and skin, 
are included in the building, yours, or anyone else who's helping you. It's communal. People can join you. It's pretty fun. You can put on some music and dance to make the material, etc. Um, there's a lot of, of very direct sense of intimacy with so shelter, which is actually a process, how we um, create and inhabit structures for whatever reasons we do is a process. It's not just objects. Again, we always get back to non-objectness, as Melissa and I like to say. Our language and mind tendency to create objects out of everything in, um, um, in our life experience. Mm. Not very useful, really. So it's um, sheltering and creating shelter as a process. Very intimate um, connection with earth and materials um, uh, and the physicality of building and um, the physicality of inhabiting a space. It's not just a box that you fill with your stuff. You're actually creating and sculpting space around your own activities and needs. A very beautiful process that has profound on a person. Um, had some some break up there, but I, I got I got we got most of it, and um, I think you you touched on something that really kind of sparked a deeper way of feeling something. What I hear you saying is that when you create a shelter, you create a home. We think of it as as a noun, as an object, but actually even taking that, that kind of veneer off and, and realizing that that's a noun too. And then there's this deeper level of, sorry, that's not a noun, it's a verb, not a noun. And there's this deeper level of relating with what is your home, especially if you're, if you're creating it with your hands, if you're working with the earth, um, there's a sense of deep intimacy with the space that you're, you're inhabiting and um, I really love that feeling of like you're, which is true. I mean, it's scientifically true. It's t scientifically and spiritually true that the, the, the home that's encasing you is alive, right? It is, it is something that's, that's in movement, that is in motion. And you're in a living relationship with your home, just like you're in a re living relationship with any structure, like you're in a living relationship with any human being. And you're in a living relationship with, with the earth, and your home is made of particles. Your home is made of the earth, right? Right. In this case, it's a very direct um, thing. And in yeah. fact, I find it's impossible to engage with any structure or have structure show up in my own life without being in relation to an activity of that structure. So I think there's a, a, a mental... T um, you know, I've been trained professionally in schools, whatever, to take the structure as permanent and solid and real and where you focus your attention where as opposed to the process of engaging with the structure. In this case, it's going the opposite. You start with the process and you wind up with the structure. You don't even necessarily draw floor plans completely or have um, a finished model or, or certainly not a blueprint. You're creating a structure, you know, if you're building this way, if you're a person building this way. What's emerging is um, sort of a reflection of your own journey and not so much uh, an ex a solid expression of a plan that existed a year ago. Right. So very, very different feeling. How is and, it's, and it's, it's, yeah, it's a different feeling. What's that? I said, how is the clear? 
better that time. We still, it still could be, it still could be a bit better. Um, I'm not really sure what, what the, what, what the reason is. Um, so if anyway, you could have a stronger signal, that, I guess that would be the primary reason. Mm -hmm. But, um, it feels like it's like, yeah, this organic, organic building and Robin saying she'd like to see some examples. Maybe we could put up some photos then later on. Mm -hmm. um, and Melissa says another good analogy for intimate relating between people, which is what I was thinking too. It's interesting how the, how the two like are, are very um, parallel each other in, 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 in how, and how it operates and how it works. Mm -hmm. we, we exist in relational fields. I exist in relational fields. That's my moment to moment awaking consciousness is existing in relational fields of all kinds in every, in every type. Um, there's almost nothing else happening. <laughs> and so it's like continual too. It's every moment. Absolutely. There's always an unfolding. Yeah. And I think when you realize that, like I tell people sometimes, the, the, the time, if I think of the time where I felt the loneliness, the most lonely or the loneliest in my life, it was, there was a couple of times where I was in a giant big city, you know, millions of people. And I, I felt like I was alone. I was by myself in the sense of I wasn't with any friends or any, you know, anyone else. And so I felt, uh, I felt really alone. I felt a sense of loneliness. And then the times where I felt most connected in my life, a lot of those times were there was no human beings around at all. I was sitting in the forest, sitting in nature by myself, and I felt so absolutely connected to everything. You know, So what that pointed out to me was it's not so much like what's out here, but more what's happening in here. Now, I will say nature is a tremendous source of inspiration to feel connected. So that definitely helps. And I think it's really important to spend time in nature. But it is possible to feel connected to, to feel connected in any moment because, because you are. You're connected. Everything is moving and in, in relationship to you. And so if you just tune into being present, there's a sense of, you know, this, there's a sense of everything being interrelated, interconnected. And you being a part of that, that movement, you know, in this moment right now. And I think that really, that's really a huge um, shift in consciousness when you realize that, you know, so much of what you're looking for is an inside level of consciousness and not something that's outside of yourself. That's correct. And, and I want to draw attention to the noting of nature as essential um, for perhaps understanding that state. Um, and uh, Melissa's making the comment, so much company beyond human. It really is company. And something very special is happening existentially when we understand this. When I understand um, that connectedness in, on an experiential level, when I'm in a natural setting, quote, natural, unquote. In other words, uh -huh. uh, context populated by beings with their own stories that have nothing to do with our agendas. We aren't making them. We aren't directing them. They're just there. That is company in the way of, you know, like myself going out into um, a public place or a restaurant that's jubilant 
and full of energy and lots of activity. And um, every person in that space is on their own storyline. And I can greet them and I can get to know them and maybe we'll share some energy back and forth. Um, maybe we'll collaborate in some way. We'll, we'll braid or twine our stories together for a while or maybe not. Um, but I'm not controlling any of them, managing them, managing me. So that, that gets amplified to an infinitude when I am in a natural setting, quote unquote natural, in the forest, and I'm surrounded by beings that aren't human, by becomings that aren't human. So I have another side project that the working called Deep Abundance, the book project, that's about this phenomena. Um, and it's basically going to be a guided journey into that awareness um, for anyone in any context in the form of, of a book and also some online presences that it will be collaborative. Books are non-collaborative. You create and deliver. And they're collaborative in the sense that the reader's own imagination brings the story alive or what the reading alive. However, there's a whole other level, obviously, when you have um, an online site where people can add comments and, and can communicate back and forth in real time. Um, so it'll be a tool aspect. But that's another little project I have on the side, my Deep Abundance project. And it's about that kind of experience and guiding people into it. I want to be their guide um, into creating that experience for themselves um, in all contexts with the natural, quote unquote, context being sort of the catalytic container. Right. Understanding the, the, the um, what's available. Mm. I like this phrase that Melissa, the, yeah, the deep abundance. Mm -hmm. I like that phrase a lot. You, you spoke to me a lot about um, the time that you spent. Um, is it Cobb Cottage? Is that what it's called in Southern Oregon? Correct. Yeah. The time that you spent there and how, how profound it was for you and kind of on your path. Um, I'd love to hear you speak about that for a little, for a moment. Well, what it, what it was, was a, um, I thought I was taking a workshop on learning how to build, which to a certain extent I was with this building material called Cobb. And it was 10 days in the woods of Oregon. Um, and I hadn't really realized that I was actually stepping into um, a completely different context and consciousness than what I was familiar with, um, living in suburban and urban environments. Um, and it was an environment where you leave cars behind. You actually, they're, there are no cars on the site, even though there um, are kitchens and houses people live in and that sort of thing. You can't drive your car up to one of them. You have to walk into the woods to get to them. Um, it was a context where everything that was happening or nearly everything that was happening was from what was there that was alive and emerging in that location. The soil, the trees, the materials that were available for sheltering were all present in their own space and so your relationship with my relating to them was very 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 direct i'm digging the soil that i'm going to be using to build i'm cutting the branch i'm doing the harvesting nothing's abstract it's not about numbers it's all about your physical contact my physical contact with the materials um and the people and partway through this process, the master teacher there, uh, one of the master teachers there, Yanto Evans, he, he and his wife founded the uh, school, took us on a forest walk in which we were invited to not use any wood, uh, any um, 
any words whatsoever. Um, and uh, I'm only agreeing with every third word you're saying. Just so you know. Okay. Melissa's alerting me that my audio is very poor. Are you able to hear my words, or are you missing a lot? It's been it's been a bit challenging, but I'm I'm with you right now. I can hear you now. Yeah. Any any way that it could be improved would be great. Okay. I'll try getting closer to the phone. Okay. Maybe improve it. So um, the lead teacher, Ianto, the elder teacher there um, on that particular course, um, took us on a forest walk in which case in which we were invited to leave our words behind. We were to communicate with each other only by facial expression and by sharing materials and experiences along the route. Um, and that was a very profound experience to completely encounter beings um, in that environment without... Um, without the use of language to objectify or categorize. Um, so hold on a second. I'm going to coordinate with Melissa here for a moment. So while you're, do, while you're, while you guys are in discussion, technically I'll just share some things and reflections on that. Okay. Um, I think that that's really profound what you're stating about to be able to view something and make a distinction between the categorization, the labeling, and, and what you're noticing. And what I found, I think what I used to do was try to like get rid of the categorizing or get rid of the labeling or make it disappear because I thought that was like the spiritual thing to do. But I'm not trying to make anything disappear anymore or make anything go away. It's more just increasing level of self-awareness. So when I can be able to perceive and then notice the distinction between what's being perceived and the labeling what the mind does or the categorization the mind goes and say, okay, well, that's not what this is. So it's okay that the mind's doing that, or if it's not doing it, that's great too. But if it is doing it, to notice that that's what it's doing and that's not, it's, that's not the essence of what's really here. It's, it's more of, it's like a secondary tool, so to speak, right? The name is not that which is named. It is only the name. Yeah. Right. So, and, and that, that, that was the part of the exercise of letting go of the words was to stop that process as much as possible for the time that we were walking in the forest. Um, it's a famous part of those courses. Um, people come out of the woods and either they either decide to have a different life um, or they don't get it and they're kind of like a little bit lost for the rest of the course. So it's sort of a... <laughs> a watershed moment in that way. Um, quite a few people come out of the forest in tears and kind of shaken by their experience uh, and, um, and do decide to change their lives and they become teachers or leaders in some way or, you know, that, that would never have happened without that experience. Um, I, I would say my deep abundance book was born from that experience. Um, although it, it takes, that project takes from my entire life experience and will draw upon it. Um, that was the catalytic moment that crystallized um, everything that I had to offer in that realm. Um, and so its power is, is amazing. And Brian, I know that we've, we've gone on walks like that in, in the Big Low Retreat. Yeah. And, and um, yeah. we um, typically, in many cases, the, the retreat environments have been chosen for access to, to um, natural environments to walk in and to experience directly. Yeah. So that's part of the big low uh, process also. Big low retreat process. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember too, you, when you got back from that, 
because I, and I bring this up because I think it's a common thing that happens. There's a process I call it integration, essentially. So you'll have this sense of a profound sense of, let's say, absolute truth, or whatever word, reality, whatever word we want to use. None of these words are quite, maybe quite right, but they're, it's pointing at something that's beyond the mind, right? Mm-hmm. So then you, you kind of come back to this world, world meaning society, come back to the, you know, the society. And I remember it was very difficult for you for a while. You know, you were, you were really struggling with even wanting to be in society at all. And maybe just kind of going back to the, going back to the forest or, but apparently you're, you're in society on some level. So yep. what was that integration process like for you? Well, first it was quite comical. Um, I was coming back from Oregon on a long, it's an eight hour so drive. And I drove directly from that experience to um, my, uh, my wife's performing at a karaoke um, uh, contest at a LGBTQ uh, bar in Sacramento, which was about as far from being in the woods in Oregon as I could possibly get. And, and then waking up the next morning at roughly five o'clock in the morning at first light, because that's what I was used to now from this workshop was getting yeah. up done and going to bed and going out to the backyard and sort of wandering around lost. Like, what can I do? What can I do? Barefoot, trying to move some sticks around or find some mud to step in or something that was familiar um, that felt right. Um, so it was kind of a difficult, it was a difficult integration because I, I had, um, develop this deeply quiet and sensual connection with um, actual physical, natural space, soil and plants, um, which are present in a yard in suburbia. You got this stuff, right? (laughs) Some of this experience is available. You can go out your door and and dig and dance and um, arrange things into something that's um, shelter or sculpture. Or in in our case, we built an earthen oven to bake bread in first. Um, from our local materials. So there was this process of reintegrating um, what was actually present where I lived normally with my experience in this very different context in the woods of Oregon um, and be continuing to be able to um, be active with that very physical and sensual connection with natural space. Um, so it, it took a little while. <laughs> I got yeah. less in noisiness and speed, um, technology, as they say, um, modern technology, all of those things had much less appeal to me. I was much more interested in being in my backyard and listening and feeling and smelling smells and being present with that environment than I was in any other environment that was available to me. And let's touch, let's, let's get into, um, relationship a bit more you're um you're the third guest i've had on three weeks in a row who who's had a uh, as a part of a long-term uh, marriage mm-hmm. uh, a long-term relationship and um i think that that's something that um people are interested in people are interested in and you know how to have that or how to maintain that or how to assume that's fulfilling in that regard. Um, so yeah, a couple questions. One is you, you practice something you call open relating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about that open relating and direct relating and how that works for you and your partnership. 
Well, we don't have a particular assumption of the content of our relating with other people or with each other. So we don't, um, when we got married, we developed a ceremony for ourselves, um, which included what we call blessing intentions. So they weren't promises per se, but more, they were more like uh, blessings to live into or intentions to live into going into the future. And one of them was to remain love open. In other words, to recognize when we felt love for someone else, um, to be honest with each other about that and to allow it essentially to happen both in terms of our own hearts, not um, getting ourselves, you know, either me getting myself or her getting herself into a space of guilt or hiding around it. Um, and then also allowing us to actually engage with another person and relating to another person um, in a way that was um, natural and organic with that relating, regardless of the fact that we were married and we had this long-term intention of, of journeying together through life. So what that means is that um, as we encounter other people in our lives, as I encounter another person in my life, I can um, freely acknowledge what's um, true and real for my feelings towards that person and their feelings towards me or how we're relating, how we're interacting. Um, and, and that, that the space is open for that. The space is held open for that within our marriage. And so I think like, would you say that for, for the two of you, that's, that can be potentially, I don't, I'm just asking, I don't know if it's true or not, but maybe a more challenging uh, road, but also, maybe create a deeper sense of intimacy for you because you're sharing everything openly where people, other people may be hiding things or trying to be secret about things or not talk about things. Correct. I would say that for my, my own experiences, my sense of intimacy with Melissa um, is empowered, is, is, is powered up and deepened um, and sustained to a much greater degree um, by our understanding of this openness than it would be if uh, either of us held uh, more closed ideas about what was possible and acceptable within uh, the marriage um, and the marriage relation, the, the marriage relating. Uh, Beautiful. So, yeah. So that's, go ahead. It is very challenging. It's not comfortable. <laughs> very difficult emotional experiences happen. Um, and they happen in a way where the process to to engage with them is one of exploration and discovery and having to un, uncover, unfold, share more, go through. Um, the way past is through is one way I like to put it. So um, the idea that we get past something by avoiding it or going around it in a relating doesn't usually work for, for me. It's like the way past is through it. I have to go through it. And I challenge myself quite frequently inside um, my relating with Melissa um, in those realms. Um, and it is not comfortable and it's difficult, not pretty some of the time. Let's put it that way. It's easy. Um, I have to be prepared to be fairly um, humble and human, human and sloppy and just kind of not my perfect self as I imagined I might be or whatever. All of that has to be put away and let go of 
in order to allow uh, the open process to happen. And the process of openness and direct relating and sharing whatever's arising authentically moment by moment, mm-hmm. the sense of intimacy is, is maintained. I think that's the part that I find because people, you know, go back to what we've been talking about as a theme throughout, you know, our, our conversation here is people want to feel connected you know, they want to feel connected. And it's like, it's so, it's so, it's so like, uh, it, uh, what's the word? Like, ultimately it's so simple, but yeah, I know it's, uh, it can be very challenging for us, but to be to connected is just to be connected to whatever's happening right now, right? That's whatever right. you're feeling, whatever your desire is, whatever your emotion is. And I think people have this idea that, oh, I'm a spiritual person, so I, don't, I can only have these kind of feelings, or I can only have these kind of desires, or I can only have this kind of relationship. And all of that is bullshit. You know, all that's going to be exploded. <laughs> and the deepest connection is really whatever is happening right now, and no one knows what's going to happen. Right. What, what's going to happen is there's going to be an explosion followed by a disconnect. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I'm, I'm really liking what um, Melissa's saying right now. Um, and I'm going to risk touching my phone there. Yes, there we go. Um, just to be clear, getting through is not necessarily the goal. Right. right. The idea there is yep. that you're in is what you're doing. Intimacy is in. Yep. You're getting into it. Yep. So that's the going through. You know, there's travel. This too, this too shall pass, the old Buddhist idea. You know, there's going to be movement. But the mm. moment to moment is in. Engagement is mm. in. Right. So where disconnect actually happens is where something rigid is brought into the way of a flow. And there's um, incredible pressure built up and then there's a rupture. Mm. And that and the intensity of that rupture would cause, you know, can cause someone to decide, okay, I'm going to disconnect now. I'm, I'm, I can't stand Mm. it. Terribly uncomfortable. This is not what I wanted. This isn't working out. Um, I need a change of relationship, blah, blah, blah. Boom. They're gone. They're out. Then they're probably going to go build the same structure again somewhere else or maybe, right. Or have a different, you know, the same inanimate object. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or the same process, even just like, okay, I'm going to put something away. The pressure's going to build up. Boom. There's going to be a rupture and then no more intimacy along this path. I'm no longer walking beside this person through my life. Um, and, and what, um, I'm hoping to create continually in an ongoing basis with Melissa, Melissa is more and more capacity to, um, to have this incredible aliveness and this credible moment to momentness work without the dis, the disconnecting explosions. And it, and it isn't always a disconnecting explosion that results in, you know, um, an overt, um, breakup. It might just be a withdrawal. I'm, in fact, kind of discovering this right now. It's like, for me, it yeah. can be like, okay, now I'm going to be depressed for the rest of the day, and I don't really want to talk to anybody. Yep. And I'm gone, essentially. It's, it's, it's like a yep. micro. And um, with anybody, it doesn't necessarily have to be with Melissa. It might be with if something goes on in work, and I'm just like, oh, that was terrible, and whatever. There's some sort of, or with a friend. And I'm depressed mm-hmm. and I'm sad and then my thoughts are all dark and they're spinning around or whatever. Well, I've, I, that's been a rupture. That's been a leaving of, of, of the process of relating with that person or that situation. 
Um, mm-hmm. So that's the idea is to get into it and stay alive and stay and, and be sloppy. Don't be rigid, you know, let your body, you know, contort into shapes that aren't pretty so that you can stay in. Right. Mm-hmm. Robin says, Paul and I are open about when we really enjoy other people, but both of us like the concept of being physically intimate only with each other unless or until either of us chooses to move on to someone else. It works for us because it's what we each want. I think we've found we have more time for our careers this way, and our careers are really important to us too. Just if you have any thoughts on that comment. Hmm. My, my sense, my initial sense is uh, great. Like my feeling is whatever works for people and it's fulfilling for them, I'm, I'm always in support of. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and uh, you know, I, I like to share and to some degree um, advocate the processes and the way that the relating, the direct relating that Melissa and I do. Um, and that's, that's our particular creation. So yeah, understand that that different things work for different people. Yep. One thing we haven't gotten into at all, which was initially going to be one of our primary focus, is there you go with plans. Was yep. uh, men men's issues and your men's integrity circle, and what would you like to share about that? Okay. Well, um, I'll try and keep it brief. Because we, we've uh, we've been together for quite a while, um, but just recently I stumbled into a, a, a new set of projects, um, and it would be a long story to describe how I went from, you know, Thursday, no idea that anything like this would be um, happening, to Sunday, I've got two spaces created on Facebook and um, a full set of intentions um, around them. Basically, I'm, I became very interested in issues of masculinity and. Um, um, how that relates to uh, my, you know, my day-to-day functioning, how I am being, how I'm showing up in all the different ways that I show up in my life. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and um, I also got very interested in accountability because I found that most of what was being offered in terms of normal forms of accountability were um, something was missing. It bothered me. I, I didn't really, I didn't resonate with them. And, and what I, what I felt was that most of the average typical ways of, of people offering accountability to one another, it's sort of like pleasing the teacher. Do this thing in my state. And the other person is supposed to be your teacher who says, okay, it's your, your project is due. Did you do it? Yes, I did it. But, but, but whatever. I got kind of tired of that. Those are all externalities. I'm interested in, in individual integrity. Um, and, how I'm showing up moment to moment in my life with whatever it is I'm, I'm engaged with. So what could I offer men who are uh, uh, in general and also men specifically who are offering things to other men, whether it's retreats or coaching or whatever, that would be an accountability space for men by men that had to do with not just, oh, I, I said I was going to do this thing and here it is, I did it. You know, give me a good grade, teacher, type of thing, to the deeper levels of accountability. So that's what masculinity, the, the, um, the men's um, integrity circle is about. It's an accountability space, and, and it's, it's, it's a completely private group, 
um, where I'm interested in inviting in men who are offering things to other men in terms of workshops or coaching or whatever. Now, I also created a space to explore issues of masculinity um, and masculine energy. What does that mean? How is, how is um, masculinity as an energetic, if you would, um, related to our individual health, healthiness in our lives and effectiveness in our lives, et cetera, whether we are male or female in the way that we understand ourselves. So, and that is, I think that's, yeah. that's a really, that's a really, really rich subject, which it mm -hmm. came up last, last episode. And it also was running out of time. <laughs> this time yeah. coming up too. But I feel like it's, it's really something to like, it's a really important issue to delve into. So I feel like we're sparking that and we're going to get into it uh, more and more. Um, and I had the question of the deeper level of accountability. What is the deeper level of accountability? Uh, the deeper level of accountability is what is my internal process, not what my external um, achievement is, but what is my internal process? How clear am I? Um, what is the nature of the choices I'm making? What am I feeling? Um, how is my awareness and thinking around things going, et cetera? It's accountability mm -hmm. on that level. So you've seen a couple of my example posts now because you are a member of that integrity circle. So you can, I think you can probably understand a little bit about what I mean by that. Mm -hmm. Really, we're, I'm allowing you to fully see my whole experience, including yeah. you know, you know the, the things that are sloppy or uncomfortable or difficult or private or whatever, yeah. so that you have yeah. your capacity as a man to help inform me about the integrity or healthiness of what you see, not in a judgmental level, but just more in terms of, um, of a workability mm. sensibility, your instincts around mm. uh, from your own experience. Yeah. It's trick. It's interesting because like the, this question Robert has, are, are you, does it mean are you being true to yourself? And that is kind of what it means, right? It's like you have this sense of, cause it's not like, well, you know, dad wants me to do this. So I have to do it. It's like, there's something that you feel inside yourself. So you want to be accountable to yourself. And then in a group setting, um, my sense is I would need to get, I would, I would want to. And yeah, I want to, I want to feel like I have a sense of what that person is. It wants to be accountable to in themselves. Right. So it's ultimately it's a self referral to be accountable to something inside yourself as something outside of yourself. Right. Essentially, it's it's it, it's about but, opening internal process, sharing it um, and allowing each other to um, the, the members of the group to provide. Because I want to get away from that. I think that's one of the problems we have with our society is I'm very interested in sovereignty and individual sovereignty, how we function as sovereign, creative, individual beings. Yep. And becoming yep. Us. Um, so if we're yep. focused on achievement, we can ent enter a relational field, if you would, which is about pleasing the teacher. It's about yep. creating, creating something that's consumed or understood or witnessed or something by someone else. And that's fine. Yep. Participate in the world this way. But it, um, it's necessary, but it's not sufficient to me. I want to look yeah. at the whole, the whole process of what's going on inside um, a person and how that's being guided and how masculinity mm -hmm. and ideas about masculinity and masculine energy um, relate to that. Um, and so that's Beautiful. what that is for. And then the, the masculinity space, which is an open, it's just a blog where the people can, anyone can go there, uh, which I believe you create, uh, supplied a link to. It's masculinity space on yeah. 
Facebook. You can find it. Yeah, there is two links right below for Sean to connect. There's some things for plugging some things I'm doing as well, too. Mm -hmm. Always great to connect, my friend. Beautiful, beautiful to share it here and beautiful to share with other people. I really appreciate it. And uh, uh, I love you and have a beautiful rest of your day. Give a hug to to, uh, your daughter for me and Melissa. Mm -hmm. And we will see you, talk to you soon. We will see and talk to you very soon as well. Love you, brother. Thank you. For All right. Listening. Love you, too. Thank you, Sean. Thanks, everybody. Got to run. Have a beautiful rest of your day. This will be available on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes. Love you, Melissa. Love you, everybody. See you soon in the next now.